You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. that he just gave a great invitation to get on his knees and repent before his God and ask for forgiveness. Samuel also knows that Saul probably won't do it. How many, how many have been given a chance to repent, but they refuse? How many have been given a chance to repent, but they refuse? And then they wonder why God won't bless them, why God won't do the things that they want to do. It's rather unfortunate how many of us expect God to bless us even though we might be refusing to repent from something in our lives. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the actions of King Saul, his unrepentant attitude, and his expectations of God. Do you need to repent from similar behavior? And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13 as he begins his message, Ventures in Faith. Turn into your Bibles to 1 Samuel 13 is where we'll pick up from last week. And the first thing I want to do is I want to read from 16 through 23. I want to get that and look at that as we move our way through. So if you'll open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 13, beginning in verse 16. Read silently as I read aloud, please. Saul, Jonathan his son, And the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road of Ophrah to the land of Shaul. Another company turned to the road of Beth Horam. And another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zebion toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords and spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for the sharpening was a pim, for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and to set the points of the goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. So we know Saul had been king for two years. And during that time, he established an army of about 3,000 men. But he split his army. He kept 2,000 for himself. And he sent 1,000 of them with Jonathan, his son. And after the victory over the Ammonites, things began to go downhill fast, if you remember that we studied chapter 13. Jonathan raided a Philistine garrison, but Saul became prideful and took all the credit. He blew the trumpet, and all of Israel thought he had won the victory, and he allowed them to think that. He became prideful. He also fell into unbelief. He didn't trust the Lord. 
He became impatient, and he disobeyed the Lord's command by making an unlawful sacrifice. Then he tried to cover up his disobedience with a lie. He used deception against Samuel. And Samuel declared to him that his actions were foolish. Look at verse 13 of 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over for Israel forever. But now he's going to take it from him. Because of these actions, because of what Saul did, he loses the kingdom. He loses control of the king. And although he will be in power on the throne for some 20 more years, God has taken the kingdom from him. Any hope of the dynasty that might be started through Saul is gone. God is now going to give the kingdom to a man after his own heart, and we know it to be David. In verse 15, Samuel announces God's judgment. Look at verse 15, excuse me, 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. You have not been after God's heart. You have not done the things of God. You have not consulted with God. You, not have, you haven't given God glory. You haven't given God credit. And therefore, I am removing the kingdom from you. Even after I told you that I would never leave nor forsake you. Even after I told you that your spirit, my spirit would go with you and help you. And even after I told you I would provide all your needs. You didn't listen to me, so I'm taking the kingdom from you. I'm removing it from you. It's a bitter announcement. Samuel leaves. Verse 15, then Samuel arose and went up to Gilgal. Samuel left and Saul standing there. And as Samuel leaves, he knows that he just gave a great invitation to Paul to repent. He knows that he just gave a great invitation to get on his knees and repent before his God and ask for forgiveness. But Samuel also knows that Saul probably won't do it. How many, how many have been given a chance to repent, but they refuse? How many have been given a chance to repent, but they refuse? And then they wonder why God won't bless them. Why God won't do the things that they want to do. Earlier, we said that about 3,000 men were in Saul's regular army. But now it's down to 600. Look at 15. Then Samuel arose and went up to Gilgal to Gibba of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. His army had gone from 300,000 to 3,000 split, two and one, to 600. Many of them scattered when they saw the size of the Philistines' army. When they saw the 30,000 chariots. When they saw all these men numbering the sand of the sea with spears and knives and swords coming after them. Many of them ran. You remember, they hide in rocks and hills and caves and hiding behind bushes. And they were doing all kinds of things to keep themselves hidden. Some think that the loss of so many men, along with Samuel's delay, was probably the reason why Saul went in and offered the sacrifice. But it was an unlawful sacrifice because according to Deuteronomy, according to the Levitical law, only a priest or a prophet could make sacrifice. And God is very particular about who does this. 
From the previous verses, we know that the Philistines had a superior army. And we see that they wanted to keep it in the verses we read. It's bad enough to be outnumbered so badly that you can't do anything about it. But now, God allowed the Philistines to have this huge technological advantage over the Israelites. What was it? They didn't give them a blacksmith. They weren't allowed to make tools. They weren't allowed to even keep their plowshares sharp. They weren't allowed to keep their sickles sharp. They weren't allowed to keep anything sharp, let alone make swords. See, when you want to conquer an army, and when you want to keep people oppressed, you take away their ability to make war. You take away their ability to have guns. Why do you think, and I'll say it, the Liberal Party wants our guns so they can have complete control? That's what happened so long ago, and we're seeing it here in this. They took away their ability to make swords to protect themselves. They even had to pay to get their farm implements ready for the harvest. The only way that Israel was ever going to win anything over the Philistines was to trust in God. And you know what? That's not such a bad place to be. Not such a bad place to be. So we come to chapter 14. We come to chapter 14, and I'm going to read the first 15 verses of 14, and then we'll go back and look at them a little bit. I just want to let you see where we are going. So now, 14, verse 1 through 15. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting on the outskirts of Gibeah, under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron, the people who were with him were about 600 men. Adjajah, the son of Abitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod, but the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of one was Bazez, and the name of the other was Sinna. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other one southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison to see if these uncircumcised to see the, of these, um, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving us by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. And Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden. And the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed them. That first slaughter with Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men within a half an acre of land. 
And there was trembling in the camp in the field among the people, and the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earthquake, so that it was very great trembling. Neat. I, I just, Jonathan's the man. Jonathan is the man. He's the main man. He is so cool. He believes that the Lord wants to do something. And he eventually uses his faith to bring about this huge victory. And his request to his armor bearer must have seemed a little crazier. You want to do what? You want to go where? The Philistines had this huge army and they were well armed. But Jonathan wants to do something. He feels in his heart that the Lord is ready. What a wonderful verse. I love that fact. He thought about it all day and night. Jonathan wanted to do something. It says at the beginning, it happened one day. There was nothing about this day that indicated it would be special. There was nothing about it that indicated it was. Perhaps it was just another day, any other day. But it would be a remarkable day because the day God would win this huge victory for Israel at the hand of Jonathan. Listen to what F.B. Meyer, I like him. F.B. Meyer says this, quote, God is ever on the, on the outlook for believing souls, those who will receive his power and grace on the one hand and transmit them on the other. God chooses them that by them he should make his mighty power known, unquote. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that just the greatest verse? I love it. It reminds me of a verse that I also love. I just love the verse in 2 Chronicles 16, 2 Chronicles 16, specifically verse 9. I've read it to you before. I'll read it to you again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. God is looking to and fro throughout the land for someone who can show himself strong on behalf, someone who has a heart for him. This is the truth of God. Please. If you don't hear anything tonight, let this burn in your hearts. Let this burn within your hearts. The eyes of the Lord look to and throw around the entire earth for someone who can show himself strong on path, whose heart's toward him. What's God saying? What's God saying in here? God wants to use you. God wants to use you in this life. He wants to bless your life. He wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you and empower you to do a mighty work. And he wants you to step out in faith. He wants you to step out in faith and see all the glorious resources that are available to you. He wants to use you in a mighty way. He was looking for people he can use. And then he finds that person and he funnels all his resources into that person to see what he can do. Because God wants to reach this world. God wants to reach your neighbors. He wants to reach this this community. He wants to reach this area for him. And he wants to use us. For some crazy reason, he's chosen to use us. Frail, fragile sinners. But we've been saved by grace, and we're now new. We're born again into a living hope. And we have that glory in us now. And God is looking for men and women whose heart are completely towards him so he can show himself strong. And this is my prayer for us. Oh, God, cause our hearts to be turned completely towards you. Take our hearts away from the issues of the world, from our own desires and purposes, from our own goals and our own ambitions. God, let my heart be completely towards you. Don't let my heart be turned aside to my own desires and my own wishes. God, let my heart be completely towards you. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for me, and that's my prayer for you, that we would turn our heart completely toward God and say, 
What's going to happen now? That we would be like Jonathan and go, you know, the Lord wants to do something. The Lord wants to do something. You know what? I think he wants to witness to my neighbor. I think he wants to witness to the girl at the Wawa behind the counter. I think he wants to witness to my guys at work. I think he wants to witness to my classmates at school. I think God wants to do something. And for some crazy reason, he's telling me that I should get involved. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. This is what Jonathan's doing. In other words, God is looking for a man or a woman whose life is in line with his purposes and his will. And when he finds this person, and when the man or the woman asks God for those things of the kingdom that he sees are necessary, God is right there. And he's ready. And he's ready to give you those things that you're asking for. Because when we ask in this method, we're not asking for our own flesh. We're not asking for our own desires to satisfy something that we need. Lord, I'd love to go witnessing, but you know, I need a new Cadillac so I can get around and, you know, witness to these people. No, 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 make it a Humvee. I need it so I can go witness to these people. No, that's my, that's my want. That's my desire. Lord, I'll walk if I have to to witness to these people that you show me to. See, that's his desire. James says you ask wrongly. You ask amiss. You ask because you want it for yourself. You want things to have puffed up. No, we ask amiss. So many of our petitions that we bring before God are really our own will. Our desires that we're offering to God and wanting him to help is our desires. But God's looking for someone whose heart is towards him, who has his desire in mind, his heart in mind. He wants to do something today. Our world is in desperate condition. Our world is in a horrible, horrible situation right now. God wants to use his church, people to come in. He is coming back soon. He is coming back soon for his people. Pretty soon we're going to be out of here in a twinkle of an eye. We'll be gone. And many, 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 many will be left behind. Many, many, many will be left behind. Am I interrupting you guys? Many, many, many will be left behind. People will be wondering what happened, wondering what's going on. And you'll be gone. I don't want my kids to be left behind. I don't want your kids to be left behind. I don't want your grandkids to be left behind. I don't want your neighbor or your sons or your daughters. I don't want any of them to be left behind. God's chosen to use you. God has chosen to use you. I want to be that man that God uses. I want my desires to be fully in line with him. I want my desires to be fully in line with him. God, I want to be usable. This is my continued prayer. I want to be usable. I don't want to be put on a shelf someplace. I don't want to be sitting around on a shelf gathering dust. I want to be usable for you as long as I have a breath. I had this great conversation. What a wonderful conversation I had with him. He had this operation, and it was an incredible operation. And now you should hear him talk. I said, John, we're going to do something. He said, yeah, let's go. He said, man, it's so exciting. It was such a wonderful thing to talk to. He actually said to me, all these years I've been, been melancholy. I've been wondering why the Lord left me here and he took my wife. Now I know I'm supposed to be here. It was a wonderful thing. This is what God can use. God takes a heart like this and things happen. That's Jonathan's heart tonight. That's Jonathan's heart. But we get so easily sidetracked. We get caught up in something other than God's plan and we end up on the shelf. God has to put us there until we realize it's not about me. 
And when you finally realize it's not about you, it has to be about God, things change. Things start to change. This is a corrupt society. And there's only one purpose, and that's so we can be used by God. I don't want to waste my life on any other purposes but be doing what God wants me to do. There's only one real purpose, and that's what God wants me to do, to be a servant of God, to do his will, in order that he might do his work through me and show his power. I don't want the glory. I I don't want glory. I want him to get glory. I want him to be exalted. It's no coincidence that this week's message is entitled, The Way Up is Down. When we're talking about John the Baptist saying, he must increase and I must decrease. It's no coincidence. God's looking for those people. I want to be that kind of person. I want this church to be that kind of church. I want this church to be on such fire that the Spirit just oozes out of you and hearts are touched. This is the kind of man Jonathan was. This is the kind of man Jonathan was. The Israelites were in a military conflict where victory from all outward appearances seemed impossible. There's no way they could have got a victory. They were outnumbered. There were vast military technology against them with chariots and stuff like that. Yet Jonathan is bold enough to go over to Philistine garrison just to see what the Lord wants to do. I think the Lord wants to do something today. I love that. Man, I want to wake up tomorrow and go, I think the Lord wants to do something today. What do you want to do, Lord? What do you want to do? So Jonathan steps out in faith. He wants to see what the Lord is able to do. Jonathan probably laid awake all night long. He was offended by these guys. He calls them uncircumcised. He was offended by these guys. How dare they? How dare they come down and take over? How dare they do this to my Israelites, my people, God's people? He knows about that. We're all discouraged. We're all hiding in holes and caves and behind flowers and stuff like that. We're all afraid. I wonder if he was lying there. He thought about Shamgar, Shamgar. I wonder if that went through his mind, Shamgar, Shamgar. He probably knew the scriptures. You remember when we studied Judges 3? Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with a sharp stick. Remember that? Jonathan thought, well, you know what? If God can use Shamgar, he can use anybody. He can use me. He can use me. As Jonathan thought more and more about it, he considered that there was one no way the Lord was going to forsake Israel. There was no way. Sure, the odds were great against them. But God was greater than the odds. God is greater than the odds. God had promised to do great things from Israel. You remember Leviticus 26.8? Five of you shall chase a hundred. A hundred of you put the 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. This is a promise to Israel. He had won great victories against great odds. Remember Gideon? Remember Gideon? 10,000 showed up. Gideon, you got too many. Excuse me? You got too many. I beg your pardon. Ended up with 300 middle-aged bald guys. 300 middle-aged bald guys took them all out. How about Samson? God gave this land to Israel, not the Philistines. Could God do it? Yes, he could. Why not? He could do it today. And Jonathan said, why won't he use me? See, that should be our motto. You are sure. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. 
You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.